Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Hey everybody, welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. Tonight I have got a special interview with Jenna Craft. She wrote her first book, Kittens, when she was seven. And despite struggling with bullying, ADHD, and dyslexia, she hasn't stopped writing since. She grew up into an awkward super geek, or so she says. Liv thinks she's pretty amazing, y'all. Lover of animals, bugs, psychology, and science. She can be found in Tennessee with her husband, two kids, a cat, dog, lizard, frog, shrimp, and a variety of houseplants. And when she's not busy writing, she advocates online for mental health awareness, and she crushes the hopes and dreams of her loved ones in board games. Welcome back, Jenna. Thank you. <laughs> so, Jenna, you were here with me before, and we were talking kids' books and the world of children's books, and now we're talking vampires. <laughs> I just love it. I love how you just honor the blank page and story comes to you, you go after it. Tell me a little bit about honoring that page for you, regardless of what genre or age group. Well, I think part of that comes with being ADHD um, because like this is the story that is in me. And so that's the story that I have to tell. Uh, and it doesn't leave me alone until I finish telling it. Um, and I say I shiny on an idea like, you know, because people understand that people with ADHD, they'll, oh, shiny, but like ideas <laughs> shiny for me. So. And so we talked right before we started. Then I was like, oh, wait, we were already started talking, guys. I love Jenna. We've already interviewed together. Like we're friends on social media. I just love keeping up with her work. But so we just started talking like it. I forgot to hit record. Um, and You were talking about your sequence of events with yes. when you wrote Survivors and then took that hop in to that children's book project as a breakaway. So talk about like when survivors came to you, like when did you first get the story for the survivors? So, and I don't know if you can hear them in the background. I was just like, be quiet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was pregnant with my now 14 year old and during both pregnancies, I dreamt of vampires. And I think it was my subconscious's way to be like, there's a blood sucking parasite here. <laughs> Vampires, yes, yes, vampires. Um, but the dreams were very vivid, very beautiful. Um, I don't know if you got to check out the uh, the book, but the um, one of the opening scenes where Adrian is in the like the restaurant and looking down at the light bearer, like that was the dream, like so detailed and rich. And I just I woke up and I couldn't shake it. So did you start plotting then or did the idea just live with you for these years and then it's published now? So I started and, and this has been how I, I work with a story is I get the idea. And if it stays with me, I world build and like collect ideas and kind of 
I usually get a beginning and an end. And so I have this general whatnot and I, I sit with it and I chew on it and uh, collect information as it comes. And then when the time finally gets there, like I've got this wealth of information to pull from. And so the, the ending, does it ever surprise you or does it pretty much stay on point when you get to that spot or was it exactly how you thought it would play out in your head? So uh, the ending happened how I saw it, like the very end. Okay. But there were still like, there was a twist to what happened that I did not anticipate. And then of course, all the stuff leading up to like how we get to the end, I had no, no clue. So with, with your character development, like, did you know at the beginning who were going to be, you know, your key players or did you let some of those just come at you as you continue to work through? So I, I knew Adrian, Claire and Perry. Those so you didn't the- know Mary at all. Did you not know Mary? No. And she's like my favorite. Like, yeah. It, it's funny. I, I always fall in love with a side character. I just didn't realize that would still happen in my own work. <laughs> oh, so then there you go. So then there's this thought that I have. And of course, it's not researched. But because I'm so in love with side characters, I really pay close attention to side characters' movies, the way that they develop with the character and shine, that I love to take special care of mine as well. Because they're part of that family, that universe. And so do you feel that same way? Like you navigate to side character, so now in story you do the same? Yeah, I feel like they have, well, and so... I'm currently writing the sequel. And one of the things I did was bring some of the side characters to the forefront because I knew them and I knew their backstory and I felt like they were every bit as much of a character that just the camera wasn't on them because that wasn't their story. Right. Love it. So, so you and I very similar in that. And I love how you just left the middle alone because you know, when you'll talk to some authors, when they'll talk about their process, they'll talk about, breaking up the middle into two acts, even instead of just like the, you know, to try to push through those plot points, you just do beginning end. What helped you push through the middle to get it? So action, fast paced movement. Um, so my first, my first drafts are always sewage. Um, (laughs) like they, so I, I talk about the process as like, if you talk about sewage treatment, so the, you get the raw sewage and this is bleh. so the first pass and my drafts are like taking out all the the solid waste like the ew that's ew, that's horrible but what comes out is not potable water it goes through another filter after that and another and another and at the end you have something that is like oh this is actually a nourishing beverage like <laughs> right like it can go back into the water and the streams and the what have you um and so I wrote it and I knew I had something, but what I had was not yet something that was potable. Um, And so what I did is I took a year off of writing and started to study story structure and editing to learn like, where had I missed? Because something wasn't hitting right, you know, like the timing was off somewhere. And so um, one of the things that I learned, Oh, and what is the name of that book? I'm looking at my bookshelf. Like, I'm sure I can see it 
Yuki, go run, get it, because we would love to know, because this okay. is the show for authors right now. All right, I'm going to, I hope I haven't owned it. My bookshelf's right over here. Go run. <laughs> <laughs> so we love talking about tips here on the show, because one, process is important. Each one of us has our own unique styles our fingerprint, our voice, but learning from other authors can just add depth and value to what we bring to the table too. So I love it. All right. So um, as I, I took my time, so I grabbed this book, which is self-editing for fiction writers, how to edit nice. yourself. In print. And this is more on like dialogue mechanics and like, you can see highlights, um, like, um, a warning, paying attention to your story doesn't mean ruthlessly cutting everything that doesn't immediately advance your plot. Yes. yes. Don't right. cut it all. You went to school. You schooled yourself, Jenna, in a oh, year. Now this one, oh my gosh. So this, the story grid is incredible. It's very, very detailed. Um, and so I took a lot of advice. I, Took a lot of advice. Um, and, you know, not everyone has everything you need to know. Uh, but one of the things that the story grid specifically talks about is writing a thriller. Uh, and they go through Silence of the Lambs. Um, oh, yeah. And, like, go part by part and explain, like, how to make it work. And since I was writing a thriller myself, like, I, I was like, okay, I will plug it in. I'll do the story grid process. And it absolutely showed me what was off. Ah. Um, and so I didn't have to do that with like cats and dogs because I had a much better understanding of story structure um, so that I didn't have to get into the technical nitty gritty when I, I wrote that. Um, but one of the things with a thriller is you want to like continue to have things go wrong. You know, so like, all right, this, yay. Oh, no, like, uh, continuously so when watching a thriller too i know to expect just when it looks like things are going well i'm like it's coming it's coming mm -hmm. yeah and you'll see the positive and negative shifts and then you'll go okay there we go fast movement suspense mystery wondering there's always a drop somewhere yeah. And so that's why I look at obstacles, obstacles, disaster. Uh, I use these words in a, in a structure format that I got online. And it's just like, okay, there's an obstacle. There's got to be another one. And now it's disaster. <laughs> and it helps me when I'm plotting out. But I'm definitely going to share these two book recommendations that you've given down and below. So people also can go and check out some of those for process. Yeah. And so now you wrote it. You have it. And now you're working on book two. Okay. So you call your stuff like sticky sewage, but come on, you're in which phase? Are you in like first draft with book two? I am three quarters of the way through the first draft. Ooh. Right, when, right at the, the big climactic scene. And, um, and I didn't want to write a sequel. Like I wanted it to be a standalone. Oh. It wasn't. Like because was, it wouldn't leave you alone or that it was so shiny and beautiful to you? Well, I knew I knew what happened. I knew there was more to the story. I just didn't want to tell it because I have a lot of things that are shiny. And I was like, but this is going to take 
this is gonna take a trilogy to tell and I, I want to work on this dang it sequel it is and you just gave it up gave up all those things for this and so yeah. if you're looking at like a timeline like a projection so you're three quarters of the way in do you hire an editor like with you early on or do you wait and do your self-editing tools do you do all of that as you're learning what's your process when it comes to kind of like when you know you're you're getting to the end so um my, my first thing that i've learned is to try not to do any editing at all until i've got the first draft because um literally what it does is it takes you out of your creative right brain and puts you into your analytical left brain which then stalls the right brain. Right brain is no longer functioning. And so you're like, oh, I'm stuck. Maybe if I go back and edit, but then your left brain's even more active. Um, so I try to just write the first draft and then go back and engage the left brain. Yeah, I'm doing chapter a day. That's my method. And I just power all the way through till yes. I make it. I like to take beta readers along with me as I write, which is very risky uh, because they're like, here you go. Here's chapter one. And you can go on this with me as I write. It, it's very motivational for me. It really helps push me through. And then if something is like blaring, uh, my readers will be like, wait, that didn't make much sense there. And it helps me to kind of clean up as I'm moving through. But I don't do the stop edit. Um, I just kind of look for beta comments and they usually just give me general keep going. I'm ready for the next chapter. <laughs> so like beta readers for you, when you've had the survivors, I know you have a dear writing group that you've worked with for a while. Were they a part of the survivors too? Yes, they were a huge part, especially in um, when I was learning to edit and they were beta reading and, uh, you know, giving me their feedback of, um, the, the biggest feedback across all the beta readers was Adrian isn't engaging, but Adrian's my main character. So, so I was needs. like, yes. So why isn't he engaging? Um, oh, pardon the animals in the background. They're playing Rosie. No, let them play. It's a part of that bio. We all expect it now. Yes. yes they're well, see, that she's like mom what did i do um Yay. the cat will make a big loud noise but she like this is her play i'm like could you just play a little fire hi rosie baby so um <laughs> i'm nice. not i'm not she's so cute those eyes i don't know if you can see them the eyes though they're so cute um so um i did a lot of study on that one of my favorite uh resources is writing excuses the podcast yes. um, and they talk about character likability and sliders um for what makes a character engaging so if they're not likable they can still be engaging if there's this or this and so knowing that i was writing a character who's a prick i was like all right how else do i drum up likability for him and yeah. uh, so there were several episodes that addressed that and that was very helpful and the side characters help to highlight some of the the goodness, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and actually giving him giving him Italian uh, words uh, really like cinched his voice um, because I knew uh, he was cussing, but I was trying 
not to have swearing in my book. Like I, I didn't really swear and I was like, but my character does, but people are gonna be shocked and appalled. But it wasn't until I let him say what he said that he really came through. So And then just people, just tell people if you don't want to know, just don't read the glossary in the back. <laughs> just right? that part. You don't need to look up those Italian words. Nah. No. No. You don't need to. I needed to because it was him, but you don't need to. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had a lot of fun researching Italian swear words. They're very colorful. Um and just researching swear words at all that's a whole fascinating shiny for another day <laughs> so now that you've got this under the works so i really love how children's books are a part of your life they're there to stay aren't they jenna absolutely yeah absolutely and now you've got the vampire world that you've built like the rules and the survivor handbook, like did the rules come to you naturally or did you sit down, make a list of them? Did you have those plotted out by chapter rules? How did you go about your rules? So the first, I don't know, dozen or so just presented themselves in the world building phase because when I had the idea, um, what I wanted was a vampire that made sense. Um, like if this creature actually existed, this would be the logical like outcome of this creature existing in the world. Um, and so I did a lot of thought about that. And so naturally there would be people who believed in said creature. And how would you live your life if you actually believed in vampires? What would change? Um, and so the, the rules just came out of the idea that vampires are real. Come on, Sadie. There we go. She has buttons. I don't know if you've seen that where dogs are learning to communicate with buttons, but oh. up, up. It's adorable and fun. Um, nice. So just the first, the first dozen or so came about very naturally. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to need to have one of these for every chapter. Um, and then maybe one day I can like make that its own little, like actually come out with the handbook. Right. Um, because that would be a, you know, that would be a really cool extension to the world for your yeah. readers. Because I looked forward when I saw the new chapter heading, I looked forward to seeing the rule. Yeah. Because I knew the rule was setting the stage for whatever was going to happen. So I loved how you started off the first line like that. Instead of just give, you know, you gave it a title. Each chapter has its own title too. You just didn't do the number, but you had that rule right there. I was like, yeah, let's see what this one's going to be. Hmm. Exactly. I had someone, they were halfway through the book when they were like, wait, do each of these rules get broken? <laughs> each of those rules gets tested. <laughs> yeah. Every, every chapter, that's the rule. Uh, so, yeah, it was really fun after the ones that came about organically, sitting there and going, okay, now I have to think about this a little more. What else? And so did you then write the chapter and then say, okay, what was the mess in here? And then what was the message and find a rule? Yes. Like, you, yeah. Sometimes. Other times I had my writing group help me brainstorm. I think I needed like five or so more. And I was like, guys, I just, I'm not coming up with things that feel right. You know, I've got this here and this there. And so then we just sat there for like an hour and brains brainstormed like logical vampire like right. rules so and like i loved rule 31 
Like, I loved it. Like, her final stamp. I'm like, man. Yeah, I mean, just the whole world building alone. Like, even the part where you described about the water and the currents and, like, the misconception of what would happen with vampires around water. Like, I was like, she has thought it all out. Plotted this. World building. Superb. Just so well done. Like, just the whole, the mansion, the hierarchy, the human resources, the research and development. I'm sorry, but I laughed. I know that was probably not a funny thing, but I was like, just imagining, you know, research and development and, like, people who are out there checking, like, social media to see if there's, like, ticks going on with, like, how many ticks are they getting for this amount of times people are mentioning their their species, their kind. I'm like, come on, Jana. How much fun was it, like, to build that? It was it was so much fun. Um, I had uh, – so my first logical thing, hurdle to overcome, was vampires killing people because if, if you were – a cow that all of a sudden became a human, you wouldn't just turn around and start eating cows because you were just a cow. Like, you know, like, mm. so to have this creature turn around and then start eating people, I was like, okay, first we have to address that. Why are they gonna start eating people? And then from there, this whole, the whole hierarchy, the, the structure of like having research and development. <laughs> And uh, I love it. Human, human relations, like human resources department. Yeah. I was like, I was rolling because I was just imagining like a business, you know, business suit, like business, like running as business as usual. And and let's have this board meeting right now. But now we're gonna torture you if you don't do things right. <laughs> like I'm not giving spoiler alerts, but like. <laughs> Uh, if you didn't catch this, uh, there are consequences, and, it, and it's not just like a warning in your file. <laughs> Let's just say. Yes, absolutely. Well, and that was another like logical thing. You have these overpowered beings. There's going to have to be overpowered consequences yes. to keep things running smoothly. Because, I mean, what is to keep them in line if not for? Yes. And so that's where your world is just one imaginative you know, it is truly a, a creative place to live within your words. So as a reader, the enjoyment is there, but the structure and the time and the care that you took was evident. And so you know it all, even though vampires don't exist, you've created a world where as if they did, it's realistic, it's believable, and as a reader, you buy into it and, and it softens it up. And because and it gives you this parallel view of like, what would it be like to live side by side? And then how extreme would that be? I just, I'm just saying, Jenna, love it. Love your work. You know I, I, I do. appreciate that. It's like, I had a lot of, a lot more anxiety with this than like cats and dogs, which I published first, but I was, like very confident that like cats and dogs is funny and adorable and like people are going to enjoy it. This, like I had worked on for 10 years, not writing worked on, but like world building, gathering the information. And so I was so nervous, like putting it out there because I'm like, you know, what if, what if this thing that I worked on for 10 years doesn't actually stand up? Um, so it's, it's there. 
Thank you. It's there and it's standing. I'm very proud. And I'm so thankful that I had an opportunity to read it. And now that I know book two is coming. <laughs> yeah. So after book two, you said you have all of these other little projects. Do you have a list, a brainstorming list of projects? Do you keep them down or do you just wait to see what maybe will come at you later? So I have I have a file, but the ones that get written are the ones that don't leave me alone. So um, I have several that I'm currently like world building this, you know, passively world building like I did with the survivors and like cats and dogs um, gathering information about. So um, one of the ones that I want to write, very excited about writing is a, uh, a I don't know if you put it YA or middle grade because it's like 12. Um, middle grade, middle, middle grade. grade. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so it's a middle grade. It's about a 12 year old boy whose mom has bipolar disorder. Um, and I really wanted to neither sugarcoat the disorder nor add stigma to it. Um, and show like from his perspective, his journey of living with his mom in, in a very unique experience. And so um, I got the idea. And the, the, so the key image for me was um, him lying in bed. And I don't know if you have like wood paneling or wood doors and you ever just look at it and you see little scenes in the wood doors. Yes. So him like laying there and he's got the little creatures of the wood doors and like, you know, coming up with his imaginings. And then um, he has to move and like losing this little family. And so that was like, the scene, the idea that started it all. Mm. Um, and because I want to do it justice, I've spent years where I'm uh, in several um, like support groups and uh, just bipolar awareness groups where I just like don't interact. I just see the things that they struggle with, listen to them talk about like their struggles with medication and uh, their struggles with mania and depression and everything in between and so that I can write a more reliable representation for them one that is realistic and hopeful and especially because in mental health spaces parenting people get very they really come on to the attack for people who have uh, mental health issues and are parents but that's not because it's not doable it's because people on the outside don't see how it can be do done. So I really wanted to like do that and do it well. And so that I, I have it written down, but I don't need to because it's always something in the back of my head where I'm just kind of thinking about how I'm going to work this out. And I know that when the time comes and you are in front of that blank page, you will honor it with grace. You will honor it with dignity and it will be a beautiful, thoughtful, challenging, lovely story because Thank you have that way with words. You have that gift. And so I just want to say continue to be that way when you approach those stories and they will have their places to stand. So the words will stand for you. They'll do all you do the work now. <laughs> They'll do all the work later. <laughs> and then you'll look back and say, that was once a shiny thing. And now it can light the world. 
you know yeah that's really that's how i believe it so i really want to like one of the so i'm i'm learning about branding right now which is oh. not not where my brain is like normally i i'm a writer like my brain doesn't think about promotion and branding but as i move into publishing and publishing worlds like that's a very important aspect and um so when having to come up with like a logo and a motto like the, there are questions that help you do that like what does this mean to you why do you do this why should people care um yes right it, it's, it's very difficult for me to look at it that way um but i've always said i i like books that move you to an emotion whether it's laughter or anger or crying or happiness like books that m move you um but i couldn't like i kept playing with the words mm -hmm. you know as, as we do as writers and i was like none of these are, are fitting and uh i landed on books that stay with you i love it thank you mine is my hashtag on so many things it's books that matter yes and that's my logo that's part of my publishing company it's just talking about books that matter sharing those out in the middle grades and ya spaces because that's where you know i i write in multiple genres and age groups you know that adult all the way but my heart is with middle grade and ya and so that's books that matter are really important for those age groups very you much know? and so yeah I was like chasing, chasing shinies to light the world. Oh, like there you go. There's your yes, that's a great one, actually. <laughs> I was thinking of that one. I love it. Yeah. But you know, when you brand yourself, it's about being authentically you in your space, you know? Yes. Just yes. connecting with people. And you do that well. You're you're out. You're out on social media. You are you're out on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. You've got TikTok too, right? Yes. And well, I was about to say, and that's what I love about this is like I love interacting with you in this space. Like I've always have such a like a good time. It's a fantastic conversation. And I just, you know, feel that connection. So it's yeah. fabulous. And so that's what it's about. The author world is about connecting with readers. Mm -hmm. connecting with other authors and those out there and also just can continuing to connect to words. Yeah. You know, just speak the beauty of words, speak the power of words, speak the silliness of words, all of the things that are all in between because words do matter. Books that stay with you are important. Yes. You know, they can help shape us in ways and, and put us through, ups and downs and help us to grow and challenge our minds. I mean, you know, the power of books. So, yeah. you know, what we just need to do is just to continue to share that love out there. So what is branding? Branding is love of words. Branding is connecting with people. And, yeah. when, and when you're just you, you're, you're, you're there, you're out. People will appreciate that. They'll appreciate that presence. You know, I think we could read every book in the world about branding and marketing and the ins and outs, but everything I've ever heard is just be you, be there. Yeah. Listen. And you've already been doing that. Like you listen very well. You said that you've been doing a lot of the research behind the scenes and, you know, listen to readers, listen to the industry and then speak back. You've got it. 
You've got and, it. It's just so many hats that we wear as authors. Yes. Like so many. Said, like you said, like if we could just write books, what would that feel like? Man, let us just write. But it's just so much more than that. But each one we count for joy because that is the way that people can get a book that matters or that is the way that a person can have a book to hold on to. Yeah. And so it's all for joy, even though it's all new and it seems far reaching, you know, you know, same way with what you did with the story grid, the same way you did with the self editing books. Like so many resources are out there for us authors. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult. Like, I did not want to have to like sit there and teach myself this, but what I want to do is to be able to tell a story and, and have it like, I want to build this, this world for someone to step into and to be like, well, this is a part of that, whether it's my favorite part of it or not, this is a part of doing that. Yes. And so each time you do a book, write a book, experience words, read words, you grow and you learn and you continue to develop. And that's the beauty of what we do. Yeah, It's just the blank page is just, it's just this unknown that we get to shape and craft and, and move as we move. I'd craft that last name. I mean, come on, there you go. Branding that. Um, I just, I'm just so super excited for your future and everything that's in store for you. I can't wait to read more books. Hooray. Um, if you need a beta reader, you know where to find me. <laughs> Excellent. I will definitely take you up on that. Beta um, readers are invaluable. Yes. So I just want to say last words of wisdom from Jenna tonight. What you got for us, Jenna? Last words. Oh, just right. Just right. Like everything else, everything else can be done in post. Like just right. You can fix it later. Just do it now. Hey, hooray. Jenna, how can we connect with you online? I've got you. Tell everybody how they can get you. Excellent. So you can uh, find me at jecraft, K, K -R -A -F -T, dot com. Um, and I'm currently working on the second edition for both like cats and dogs and the survivors. So um, if you are interested in either of those, go down and sign up for the mailing list. I'll be sending out a mailer when those are uh, available for their second edition. If you've already read them, by all means, leave me a shout out in the reviews. I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, JECraft and JECraft Books. And, um, and your TikTok. Yes. So uh, my TikTok is in the mental health uh, sphere, so I don't talk about writing on that. Okay. I do, but just not. <laughs> How can you not talk about writing? Like everything comes back to it. Like mm -hmm. everything comes back to it. Um, so yeah, JE Craft, and uh, I'm on. Oh, and Facebook, and Facebook. I am on all the places. You can look me up, interact with me. Like definitely shoot me a message. I'm there for it. All right, Jenna, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. And I hope we could schedule this. Like when we talked before, we were like, okay, we got to get together again just as a checkup. I just love checking in with you. Just, yes. just such positive radiance. 
you bring joy to me when I'm with you. And I just want to thank you so much for hanging out. And hey, in a couple of months, let's check back in and just say, what's up? How's the progress going? And we can just keep having these conversations because you are a wealth of knowledge. So thanks from all of my listeners to you too, Jenna. So have a good night. You too. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.